Welcome to the Investing for Life podcast, where we apply proven investment principles to the lives of successful business people to help you enrich your own. With your host, Douglas Isles. Hello, and welcome to the Investing for Life podcast. I'm Douglas Isles, and my goal is to help you, the listener, by encouraging my guests to unpack their successes using a framework modeled on Platinum's time-tested investment principles. We'll explore temporary setbacks that shaped our guests. We'll learn about the long-term steps they've taken to ensure they're on the right path, and we'll hear how they stand out from the crowd. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by my good friend and fellow Scotsman in Sydney, Campbell Aitken. Campbell is Chief Investment Officer at SCA Property Group and the coach of the successful New South Wales Waratahs women's team. While we know each other well, having both migrated from Edinburgh to Australia in 2002, I'm sure I will learn something new about Campbell today. And I know that you certainly will. Campbell, you've found what appears to be an ideal balance between corporate life and sport. But let's start at the beginning. What are your lasting memories of growing up in Scotland? Yeah, um, the cold. <laughs> I think um, nothing but uh, happy memories, to be honest. Just um, caravan holidays and and good friends and, and basically playing a lot of sport. And uh, that's what I've always loved. And um, I think that certainly shaped the way I am and, and uh, that competitive spirit um, that, that's sort of long lasting. So you got into sport very young age? Yeah, just did everything. Um would play tennis, would play golf, would play soccer. Um, I actually got into rugby quite late. I didn't, didn't start playing rugby till I went to a high school. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just always shaped my life. And I think growing up in a small village, I think that's the, the, the sport seems to be a, a focal point. Uh, and I think that's quite similar across the world. And was that playing in the street? Like little little friends, do you have idols? You know what was what's going through your mind as a young kid? I think my my big brother, to be honest. I think we were quite competitive, and uh, I would, I was a typical younger brother who'd throw his golf clubs away, and uh, there's uh, and he was told a few times just to let me win um, because the the family couldn't stand the the fallout from that. But um, yeah, my idols of Kenny Dalgleish was was I think every Scots uh, kid's idol when. Yeah when we were growing up and uh, yeah, I'd do anything to, to go uh, watch him play and uh, been down to Liverpool to watch him play and um, went to his hundredth cap in, in, at Hampden Park. And so, yeah, that was posters on the wall and yeah, loved it. And how did you mix school and sport? Did you get the balance right? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, certainly I always surprised myself at school and looking back, I was always quite surprised uh, how well I did. I was always in the the second top of, of classes uh, out of six. So um, yeah, I think um, I think a lot of sporting people probably get a, a bad rap with regards to um, their intellectual capabilities or or their willingness to study. And um, yeah, I think I, I probably got that a bit right. And um, although my mum would probably tell you something different. Yeah. And that was again at a young age having to balance these commitments of time management. 
Yeah, I think it's about, it's, it's more your parents at that age. I think that time management, you just get ferried around and, and um, you expect them to pick you up and yeah. drop you off. And But um, yeah, certainly both my parents were, were working quite hard. So my brother and I would, would get the bus home at eight o'clock at night in our school uniforms and stuff, having having been playing sports since, since after school. And I think um, that teaches you a fair bit of independence. And yeah. uh, I think that's probably something that, that my kids, for example, lack a little bit. Did you think property would be where you ended up? No, I think um, it's it's uh, quite a strange story how I got there. The um, I, w- I didn't know what I wanted to study when I left school, and and um, the, one of the um, the president of our rugby club, uh, which was linked to the school. Um, was the CEO of uh, Jones Lang LaSalle as it yeah. was back then in, in Scotland and um, he uh, he said look if you study property uh, I'll give you a job when you finish so nice sort of old boys network and uh, so yeah so that's sort of what threw me down the property line more than anything else. Yeah. And it turned out to be where you've stayed ever since? Yeah, I think it's uh, those relationships that you forge are, are quite key and um, yeah I think there's Certainly in Scotland and the UK, there's always been that link with property and sport. And yep. so it was, um, I certainly had a few understanding bosses over my time. Uh, train, training commitments. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. So one of the things I wanted to explore was was setbacks that, that you faced. It sounds like childhood was relatively straightforward. What what have you had to deal with? Uh, yeah, this may be throwing you, blindsided you. Yeah, I think my, my biggest setback was, was the death of my dad. Um, I was about 20 at the time and I was, I was in New Zealand playing rugby and, um, and we grew up in a really sort of Presbyterian Scottish, um, background where you, where you don't show a lot of emotion at home and there's not a lot of hugging and there's not a lot of, um, telling people you love them and all that sort of stuff. So, um, even now I find it quite awkward with, with, with family members. It's, um, um, but yeah, I think I remember at the, at the airport, um, saying goodbye to my dad to go on tour, um, to New Zealand. And it was a big thing for me. And, uh, uh, my dad came up and, and gave me a hug and said, he's, he was proud of me. And, um, um, but I, I sort of pushed him off. Um, and I said, look, I'll, I'll see you in a couple of months. Don't worry about it. And, um, yeah, and never saw him again. And I think that's certainly um, a regret that I have and obviously yeah. have to live with that. But it's, um, yeah, I think that's certainly shaped me a little bit yeah. coming over that. And shaping you in that sort of 20s, which could be quite, a, I guess, a wild time for, for men. How did you sort of, I guess, the initial response? Yeah, the initial response wasn't wasn't great. Oh, well, I think I had to I had to focus on rugby and uh, I came home for the funeral and then yep. flew back out pretty much the next day to New Zealand and, um, I think being around my mates and playing sport helped me there. Um, but when I came back, I think it was, uh, uh my behavior, um, sort of lapsed a little bit and, and certainly, um, was probably drinking too much, going out too much yep. and, and sort of using that as a, as, as an excuse, um, for, for pretty poor behavior. And you're now a father. So what 
how, how do you think it shapes you today and the, the the way in which you bring up your own children having had that cut short? Yeah, I think it's, uh, I think my wife's family's taught me a lot with regards to, um, to showing emotion and what have you, because I think, um, she's one of three daughters, uh, and their mum's, um, very much the matriarch of the family and, um, and yeah, they're constantly telling each other, oh, I love you. And I, I, I found it a bit awkward to, to start with. But um, yeah, I think they've they've certainly taught me, taught me that. And um, and I probably go too far with my kids and, and, and sort of I'm constantly telling them how much I love them. So being Scottish, I know how you, uh, know how you feel. <laughs> that, that move from Scotland to Australia was more than just a, a geographical transition then. Can you maybe talk about how you dealt with that? Yeah, so we came out here. My wife was pregnant with our eldest. Um, we were living in London, and um, we didn't want to bring up a kid in London um, because we're relying on both of us to pay the mortgage, and and it was just would have been a very difficult upbringing for for any kid. So, um, my wife got the opportunity to move with her work to Sydney. She's Australian and from Sydney, so. Um, yeah, I was a sort of driver behind it and said, yeah, let's go. And, and I'd certainly never been here before and, and I didn't know anyone. So, um, yeah, everyone said, um, it's quite a big leap, but yeah. I think, I don't think I've ever met any Scotsman coming back from, uh, Sydney saying it's, uh, it's not a great experience. So, um, yeah, landed in Sydney, didn't really know anyone and, and, um, one of the first things I did was was uh, join the local rugby club, and yep. all of a sudden, um, I found a sort of network, and I'm still there 19 years later. Yeah, on the board today. So, yeah. so rugby's been an important part of the journey, Scotland and and here. You've you've ended up moving towards women's rugby. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, it was again a sort of my wife's been quite influential in that. Um, I see um, the challenges that she's had in her career, and and at the time um, there was the Australian women's team had just won the gold at the Olympics, and uh, I was on the board at the Eastern Suburbs, and and uh, I said, look, we need to have a women's team. It's about time we have a women's team, and uh, yeah, it was pretty much told good luck with that and uh, so I started it myself and um, it sort of snowballed from there but I, I think um, the enjoyment and pleasure I get from from seeing um, not just women but people out their comfort zone and, and um, achieving things they didn't think they could achieve uh, I think that's quite powerful and, and if I'm able to assist them in that then uh, we are more than happy to keep facilitating that. And women's sports booming today what what are the differences do you think from the i guess the male version and the, and the female version from a, a cultural perspective or yeah i think the the women certainly don't come with any um preconceived ideas about how to play so their willingness to learn and uh, is quite insatiable and um, i think that's a massive thing um when you're coaching uh, or playing top-end men's sport um the actual influence you can have on the players is less um whereas uh, because it's a lot of it's new to the women they, they sort of um uh, they can, uh, your influence can be greater and, and they learn a little bit more, so which is, uh, which is always good. And what sort of philosophies do you, do you bring to that teaching? Just enjoyment. Um, I mean, we touched on earlier, I think uh, my first um, instinct was to become a teacher. Um, and um, I think that's not really left me. Um, I volunteer for a lot of stuff and, and, um, and I do enjoy interacting with, with people and, and trying to, to teach values. Um, but, um, 
Yeah, I, I really enjoy uh, the women's aspect um, and what they can learn and, and about the great game that's provided me uh, so much opportunities. The biggest challenge is is, is money. The, the women don't get paid, but yet they sacrifice a significant amount. And unfortunately, it's that it's that white middle-aged man that's that yeah. tends to hold hold everything back and and you only need one or two to disagree with the direction or yeah. disagree with women's sport um which unfortunately there's quite a lot of them um yeah. and that tends to hold everyone back but you're uh, making progress you've won three comps in a row now four four <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, it's been a successful uh foray for you when we look at companies. One of the things we like to look at is is, is long term change. Companies investing for the future. Yet when you sit here today, what are you thinking about as you as you look at yourself and and how you might evolve? What what are your focuses? Yeah, I think I'm I'm constantly self reflecting. I suppose and and um, trying to understand is it is am I the problem or or um, or because change is happening everywhere and certainly with COVID with, that's accelerated yeah. that a little bit. Um, and then I think initially I was like, right, we need everyone back in the office, for yeah. example. Um, obviously that's, that's mellowed quite a lot, quite a bit. And so, um, yeah, what, what does that lead to? And I think for me, it's just trying to embrace change a lot quicker. Yeah. Um, because I've, I've always been, no, this is the way it needs to be done. And this is the way we've always done it. And yeah. I think that's, that's a, that's a big evolution for me is to to keep pushing myself to accept that change and and accept it quicker uh, because this young generation coming through are are, are looking to to develop quicker and they're, yeah. they're probably not as patient as as we were or not as subservient and yeah. I think um, yeah they they've got different way of doing things and and what's happened in the past or what what we've done in the past doesn't necessarily work now. You you come from a, a traditional background, as you said earlier. Do you think that's a, a help or a, or a hindrance in this situation? I think it's a bit of a hindrance at the moment. Um, I think that um, I was uh, certainly when I started working, it was my boss used to throw me his car keys and say, "Go and park my car." Um, now um, I I didn't like that, but of course I. I'd go and park his yeah. car and if yeah. he, if he needed it, then I'd go and get it again. So, um, I think that style of obviously manager yeah. management has changed. And uh, I think there is a, there's a happy medium to be found with regards to, um, not everything in the past was wrong. Yeah. Um, and then not everything that these young kids want now is, is, is right either. So, um, and again, that sort of not pigeonholing people into jobs now, it's, it's more, how can we, how can we, best suit your skills going forward and so and not too dissimilar to to picking a uh, a rugby team for example where yep. you're trying to put the best people to suit their best skills uh, in the right positions and so it's a constant juggling act and you get stuff you get some wrong you get some right so yeah i know you read a lot um what are you sort of taking from that what are you I think it's it's more around learning. I, I didn't read a lot growing up. In fact, um, if you speak to my English teachers, <laughs> uh, it was a running a bit of a running joke that I I, I wouldn't read the chapter at night. Um, but uh, I've sort of tried to make up for that, and I'll I'll read at least two books a month now. And and um, and it's just that thirst for learning, and, and again that sort of constant evolution of myself and it's mainly biographies I read yep. um, so I'll, I like to learn about other people so I'm reading Billie Jean King's book at the moment for example and again understanding the struggles that she's been through and, and I think I look at 
look at my life and understand that I'm a white male and the privilege I've got from that. Um, and it, and acknowledging that and, and then I'm trying to help other people um, with their struggles. But um, yeah, it's just learning, learning about other people, learning about human nature and, and then trying to use that to better uh, my philosophies or my leadership. Is it predominantly sporting biographies you read or is there uh, other fields of life as well? No, I'll read, uh, I'll read uh, business books, history books. Yep. Um, I think um, Bob Iger's book, um, The Ride of a Lifetime, who's the CEO of uh, Disney, um, was a really good book. Um, again, around leadership and risk-taking. Um, yep. Being Scottish, I think we're quite a conservative um, yep. nation um, and by nature. And I think... Um, that I look at sort of the, the evolution of Disney and where he took it to that digitalization. And, and I'm thinking, well, would I have made those decisions? And, and probably not. So um, we'd still be watching Cinderella. But <laughs> <laughs> so. you, you have a young daughter, so I assume, assume you have watched Cinderella recently. Yeah, several times. <laughs> what, what philosophy do you bring to that, to, to being a father? Just kindness. Uh, I think that's my overwhelming uh, thing and, and um, encouraging my kids to be kind um, to other people and, and, um, and I, I suppose telling them that there's, there's no set way now. I think um, I remember when I, when I resigned from Macquarie Bank, I, I phoned my mum and said, oh, I've, I've resigned. Um, and she, she, she went nuts. She said, uh, what do you mean you've re resigned yeah. from the bank? Yeah. Um, so I think, um, back in her day, obviously you, you were in a, a job for life. And, and, um, and I think the, the way that the kids are, are learning now and, and the way that their career will, will go will be very different to the way ours has gone. And, and, uh, there'll be other opportunities and, and it's up for them to, to experiment with that. And all, I think all we can do is encourage that. I think thinking thinking differently is very important, and we talk a lot about um, you know, standing out from the crowd. Uh, you sounds like with your kids, with yourself, it's about taking any opportunity that comes along. How, how do you think you're different? What's your kind of Campbell Aitken um, key selling proposition? If you like, um, I think certainly. Uh, I think physically, I think I think the accent helps. I yep. think people remember the the, the tall Scots guy, right? Yep. And um, whereas I'm always struggling to, to remember people's names, but yep. um, yeah, I think uh, that certainly helps. But I think integrity, um, doing what you say you're going to do, is probably yep. the big thing for me, um, and just working hard for others and that self sacrifice. So whether it's whether it's at work and, and encouraging people at work, or whether it's at rugby, or whether it's um, uh, surf life saving, for example, I think that's that self sacrifice, and, and I'd like people to remember that that I was kind and and um, I uh, I helped other people try and achieve what they want to achieve. And you're throwing yourself into so many different um, pursuits. You must be must be very busy. Yeah, I, th I think I like to be busy. Um, I can't, I, for example, I, when we go to the beach, for example, I, I can't sit there. I, I have to get up and, and walk around, and, and um, I find I find it very hard to sit and, and do nothing. Um, and so, um, yeah, just constantly thinking of how can we make this better, how can we do this better, and, and coming up with ideas, and then uh, I suppose pitching them to the right people. And as you look to the future, you look at your kids growing up, what, what do you hope for them? Just that they're, they're happy. I just, I just obviously want to, um, I want them to travel uh, and experience different things. I think they've, 
I think they've only been to Scotland once, uh, and I think um, I, I'd like them to go there and ex- try and experience uh, something, certainly overseas. Um, but yeah, just just try different things and and don't be pigeonholed. And and I think um, I never thought I'd leave Edinburgh. Um, when I was leaving school and, and I thought this is me for life and I was quite happy with that. Yeah. And then um, opportunity came up in, in London and, and um, yeah, it was a big thing for me to leave. And I think then that encouraged me to to come to Sydney and, and yeah, and um, hopefully the kids uh, learn from that. Maybe they all go the other way. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Excellent. Well, thanks so much for sharing that, Campbell. Really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Investing for Life podcast. If you like what you hear, please remember to subscribe and share with your friends. For show notes from today's conversation, head to platinum.com.au.